Today's episode of the Beers and Ears podcast is brought to you by Riss and Cal, the makers of the Four Frills cell phone accessories. You can get great cell phone accessories at a great price while also helping out the podcast. And you've heard us talk about them supporting charities, the Marine Conservancy, the Nature Conservancy, the American Red Cross. So you know that your purchase is going to a great cause. Our listeners can get a special offer. Go to fourfrills.com slash shop. That is the number four, P-H-R-I-L-L-S. And you can use the promo code BEERS, B-E-E-R-S. You get 15% off. All right, let's get on with our spooktacular show. Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Matt. My name is Casey. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, have you ever been more excited for an episode? I feel like we've been saying that a lot lately, but we've been doing some really exciting episodes. This episode has been a long, long time coming. It was months ago, months ago, that we discovered that little Matthew Brown had not seen the absolutely amazing movie, Hocus Pocus. And here we are today, finally getting a chance to review this movie from start to finish after he watched it for the very first time last night. My question to you, Matt, is are you excited? I, I am. It is rare to have a Disney movie, a mainstream one, so not any of like the deep cuts, but a main, pretty mainstream Disney movie that I have not seen. You mean like, seen a movie like, uh, like a movie like Space Buddies or something? <laughs> yeah, I have not watched all of the Airbud franchise, though I feel like on principle I have to and maybe like do a solo podcast like doing you know what? I, I should do like a commentary where as I watch those movies I should like commentate or do like a um oh what are they what are, what are those called? A director's commentary. I'll do a director's commentary not being the director of all twelve Airbud movies. Uh, <laughs> But, but you're right, though. It is rare for you to not have seen a, a kind of a mainstream Disney movie. In fact, what, what has really been kind of the, the, the crux of this podcast has been movies where I've not seen them, but you have. And you've been like, oh, my God, Casey, you need to watch this so we can review it. And and this is one of those times where the, where the script has flipped a little bit. I mean, it kind of was like that with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But you already knew the premise of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But this one, you knew a little bit about it, but you had no exposure to it other than I put a spell on you at the Disney store. So my exposure to it is I put it on you at the Disney store because that uh, is is always on the DVDs, though, from what I gather, not this year, not this year, not this year. This one, that one's not on there and neither is calling all the monsters. Oh, we got out. We got out at the right time. (laughs) I know. Right. Like, what is the world coming to? All right. So we are reviewing. Hocus Pocus. So just a little 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 bit of info for our visitors here. Hocus Pocus is the 1993 movie comedy film directed by Kenny Ortega by the way, who by yes. the way is the director of Footloose, is also the director of all of the Descendants movies. He's also the director of High School Musical. So, yeah, he clearly has some how do you say it, bona fides or bona fides uh behind his thing. So, 1983, it stars Bette Midler, Kathy Jimmy, and Sarah Jessica Parker, all of which are giant movie stars, right? Kathy Jimmy was in Sister Act, Sister Act 2, Sarah Jessica Parker, Sex and the City, Bette Midler. I mean, my God, do we even have to say what she's been in? 
yet, so this movie came out in 1983. It was originally scheduled to be a Disney Channel original movie. It was made on a budget of $28 million, but it only made $39 million at the box office. It, by all accounts, was a box office flop. The critics panned it. But once it started airing on ABC Family or what is now Freeform, and it became an annual tradition, VHS sales of this movie skyrocketed. And it has become, by every definition, a cult classic. So Matt, first impressions. Before I get into that, I have to say this was very deja vu from my research in the Atlantis episode. Okay. It, it, it was like carbon copy where the critics rated it and said horrible, but you read any user review and the users were like, this, this is the greatest movie ever. I love this movie. And so it, it was just very interesting of like that research I did a mere like two or three weeks ago. I was like, this feels really familiar with a different movie. Uh, okay. First impressions. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the movie. Bette Midler clearly steals the show, in my opinion. She she acts the crap out of that part. Like, I, I think like this is a movie that she could have very easily signed onto and been like, okay, yep, you want me to be a witch? Okay, cool. All right, yep, I'm doing my witch thing. Awesome. No, no, no. You can tell she is committed to that role and plays it very well. Uh, before you go on to, to, to comment on that part, she has actually gone on record as saying that that role is one of the the most fun roles she has ever played in her life. She loved that role. When she did, I saw photos when I was doing research of a tour that she did in 2015, and that you know she's doing a, a musical tour, and she yep. comes out dressed in the Winifred uh, Sanderson outfit and sings "I Put a Spell on You," and I can't imagine what the crowd did at that point. They must have oh, lost I can their mind. Only about you. Well, because I've heard the crowd at Walt Disney World at the Hocus Pocus Villain Spelltacular when the Disney cast member who's playing Winifred comes out and starts singing I Put a Spell on You and the crowd goes nuts. So I can only imagine what it was like to have Bette Midler, the originator of that version of the song, get out there and do it. I put a spell on you Yeah, so she she clearly makes that movie. The, the, the plot is a little bit muddied at times. Mm-hmm. And I, I question sometimes the intelligence of a lot of the characters. Um, <laughs> like who? Give me an example. Okay, yes. So first of all, their parents are horrible parents. Uh, <laughs> okay, yep, all right. Your kid is coming to you clearly freaked out. And you're just like, it's Halloween. Stop being freaked out. It's like, okay, I don't care if you think they're lying. If your kid is that freaked out and then some guy comes up and like chases, is chasing them and they're like, yeah, whatever. It's Halloween. It's like, okay, <laughs> your kid is freaked out. Like do something about this. She doesn't just go, where, she doesn't just go oh, it's Halloween. She goes, oh, where's the camera? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wish we had the camera. <laughs> It's like uh, the, the, the parents are horrible, um, okay. and and then there's some. Um, then you've got the little girl that they put her in the grave, surrounded by salt, so she can't be snatched up by these witches, and then she gets out. 
Why? <laughs> Help the zombie with his head? He's fine. He's a zombie. He can go get it himself. It, it, it's just idiotic. Then even sometimes the witches. So she has the power to make everyone dance until they drop, but doesn't have the power to just incapacitate a group of children and steal her book back. It, 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 there's, there, there's just some real discontinuity things that, again, I am because I'm doing a podcast about the movie. I am like nitpicking things, but the the plot sometimes just got a little bit muddied. Part of that, I think, part of that, to be honest, Matt, is again when you think about the history of this was supposed to be a Disney Disney Channel original movie and you think about traditionally Disney Channel original movies the plot lines are not always the best plot lines there are usually <laughs> a lot of holes in them because they're made for kids they're made for that preteen you know uh, that 9 10 11 12 year old age range now i would argue this one's probably a little bit more mature this is not necessarily made for a 9 year uh, 9 year old um i you know when i posted that we were going to be recording this podcast uh, in the group, we had a couple of comments of people who said, you know, they went to go watch the movie in the theaters when they were nine years old and they they, they left because they were too scared because the movie is, I mean, it, it is scary. I mean, it, there are moments where the witches are relatively scary. I mean, we look at it as an adult and go, oh, that's kind of funny. But to a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old or an eight-year-old, yeah, I can totally see how they would look at that, you know, the, um, uh, was it Freddy? Freddy, I think it was, the, 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 the Frankenstein. What's his name? Freddy? I can't remember his name. But yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The the, the, yeah, the Frankenstein. Yeah. He's kind of creepy looking. And when he opens his mouth uh, mouth, and the moths fly out and the and, uh, uh, Max not goes Freddy, Billy. Billy, thank you. Billy, and yes. uh, Billy. So, you know, when Billy, you know, Billy's chasing around and he cuts his mouth and, and the moths fly out, fly out. And, and, and Max goes, dude, whatever, just get a breath mint or don't breathe on me. Like, again, he's creepy, but those are the moments that are really funny. The idea of whole, the whole idea of a virgin lighting a candle, the fact that Disney's even talking about a virgin, like in a Disney Channel original movie. So there were moments where I think this was meant for like that next age grade of like 13 and up probably i don't know what caused them to put it in theaters you know and you know by all accounts when it first debuted they lost about 16 million dollars when all was said and done with marketing but they've made it all back up on the back end and i mean we just had our halloween episode that debuted we were talking about the hocus pocus merch and how this has become a much bigger thing over time oh yeah i mean i think what they were hoping with the release is that the star power was going to carry that where you say you bet Midler is in this movie mm-hmm. and and people will be like oh yeah I'll go see that but it just didn't again for whatever reason just didn't people just didn't go out and see it and I do think that there's very few holiday specific movies that really do well at the box office the one I can think one I can think of that has done well is Elf like Elf is a movie that it just did really well when it came out but otherwise Holiday movies like that are out the Santa, about the Santa specific. Claus. The Santa Claus, uh, the original Santa Claus, did really well, and I would even argue yes. the second one somewhat. The third one bombed, but yeah, you're right. There are not very many holiday movies that at the box office do great. It's almost it's when they it's the after. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, so with that said, I you know I, I I talked about how it muddied the plot. 
this movie is good. I understand mm-hmm. why people like this movie. I, I, I think it needs five times more Bette Midler songs. I, I want the more <laughs> Bette Midler singing. Um, just please more. It, 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 if I'm having a Disney-themed Halloween party and I'm trying to figure out what movie I want on in the living room for people to go sit down and watch... I'm probably putting Hocus Pocus on the loop for the for the entire time. And honestly, yep. I'd probably get a bunch of people to sit down and watch a, a, a portion of it. Well, you know, you talked about holiday movies. This is one of those movies. Uh, I know you know the, A Christmas Story, the movie that gets played for 24 hours on Christmas Eve into Christmas Day on TNT. This is one of those movies that I believe for a very long time, I don't know if they still do it or not, but for a very long time, on ABC Family, or what is now Freeform, Halloween night, this was on loop for like 12 hours. And it was just, that, it, was like, it ran for like six six times in a row. It was a two-hour block, six times in a row, just as, as you were describing, because it's one of those movies that can be out of the background. You can pick up where you left off. You just know where you're at at all times in the movie. Well, because it's a pretty easy plot to follow. Like, it's not hard to be like, what's going on? Like, it, it's 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 pretty simple to follow. And yeah. it's got entertaining parts and jokes throughout. Like, there's some very clever writing with it. And so I, I understand why it has become a cult classic. And that song, again, I go, I'm going to go back to the Bette Midler singing because that's the best part of this movie. That song is something people love. Like you said, with the Hocus Pocus villain spectacular, people go nuts when not Bette Midler. Midler comes out and starts singing that song. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you, um, did you notice the cameo kind of right in the middle of the, the two characters uh, who are played by two like Hollywood famous actor and actress right in the middle? You know who they were? Uh, is, is that the like the devil and his wife? Yes, that is Gary Marshall and yes. Gary Marshall. I, yep. I, I could not pinpoint who that was until you said it. I was like, I know this guy. I yep. know this guy. This yeah, guy so is something, and I know who he is, but I cannot put it until you said, yes, that is Gary Marshall. They are like a Hollywood power couple. He directed movies Pretty Woman, Beaches, Runaway Bride, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, Mother's Day, The Princess Diaries, The Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement, which I know you love both of those, or at least the first one. Yes. Penny Marshall, she directed Jumping Jack Flash. Uh, She directed Big. She directed um, Awakenings, one of the biggest movies of all time, a league of their own. There's no crying in baseball. So yeah, that's who those two are. Um, they go uncredited uh, in, in the movie. They both have since passed away uh, in the last couple of years of uh, Gary in 2016 and Penny in 2018, but they were a Hollywood super couple and, and they had a chance to play that. And I think that's just one of the funniest scenes of the movie when, Oh master, how dare you talk to master like that? You know, it's just, I it just, it's really funny to, to watch that scene, you know, it's, it's funny, but that's another scene that just feels a little bit out of place. Really? And yeah, it, it feels, it's a weird scene. Like it, well, it's it, weird, it, but it's funny. I don't know. It's funny. No, it, it definitely is funny, but it just in that whole like overarching like this plot feels a little bit muddled. It's like why? Why are you? Why did you decide to go in this house? And I, you invited these 
ladies in and I, it, <laughs> it is weird that he's dancing with sarah jessica parker i think i think that is really weird when he starts dancing with sarah like what what is up with that that's kind of weird and yeah it is weird that they're in the house but again this goes back to something that we talked about on the halloween merch episode halloween isn't now what it used to be halloween 25 years ago i will tell you it was not uncommon for people to have haunted houses that ran through their house that would have kids come through the house through the backyard to get their candy in the back and then move on to the next house. Uh, my, my mom's best friend, one of her best friends from high school, Debbie, this was something she did for years. She would set up a haunted house through her front yard, through her house, through her backyard, and you would get candy at the end. And the kids who trick-or-treated had to go through it. I guess that's true, but holy cow, like as a parent now, I'm like, I would never let my kid <laughs> in somebody's house and I wouldn't want kids coming through my house. Like, I know, be- I, again, but that's that, that's that mentality of yeah. the nineties. I mean, that I, I think back, that's how the, that's how trick or treating used to be. And this was in the heart of it. 92, 93. Right. Okay. That's true. Yeah. Inviting. Cause even when the kids like walk in like trick or treat and walk in to this party going on, like that, that seemed weird to me. And, and like you said, it's, it's very much like, a, oh no, that's, that's just what trick or treating was. Like you just kind of almost barged into people's houses. Yep. So, okay. You, you've talked about a couple of scenes that were not your favorites. What was a scene that was one of your favorites other than I put a spell on you? <laughs> I, I haven't made that clear that I liked that scene. Come on. <laughs> Um, I mean, honestly, it was anything with the Sanderson sisters. The, the kids were fine, like, eh, whatever. But the the opening where they're casting the or making the potion and casting all the spells, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the, the effects and the rigging of when the witches are, the Sanderson sisters are on their brooms or household mm-hmm. items such as a mop and a vacuum cleaner um, <laughs> yep. I, yep. I, I enjoyed that um but like the the camera work of them flying to like go grab at the kids and try to get what they're get the book or get the potion or whatever is is really well done again for 1993 um i i, I think mm-hmm. that's really really well done i i enjoyed i enjoyed those scenes yeah i i i it really any scene with the Sanderson sisters, I, I thought is 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 really really well done. Clearly, not just Bette Midler, but but the other two uh, as well. I love the scene where I don't know if it's Danny who calls her this or if it's one of the the bullies, but calls her old. And and and, and Bette Midler, uh, Winifred's like, it really hurt my feelings, and she's sitting there howling like a little girl. I just that just cracks me up to watch this grown woman, <laughs> you know, howling yeah. like a little girl. You know, get that little rat-faced kid that called me. Oh, oh don't say it, don't you? Ugly. <gasps> Yeah. Oh, it's it, it's great. Like it, it just it, they they just act the living daylights out of those parts, and it's so great to see. So, Casey, uh, what are your favorite parts of this movie? So I before I even tell you this, so I, I want to do I want to see if you get this right. What is the cat's What is the cat's name? 
the cat's name? Uh, yep. I mean, um, Th- Thackeray? Thackeray, yes. A lot of people say it's Zachary, but it's Thackeray Binks. Yeah, with a Thackeray. T-H, Thackeray Binks. And here's a fun little piece of trivia. The person who voices him as a cat is not the same actor that plays him as the human. They did yeah, a completely different voiceover. I, I didn't know that. Um, one of our listeners of the show, Angela, or Angie, you know, Ange from the Disney store, she commented yeah, yeah. Told that in, our, in our Facebook group. Yeah, that, that was something that I, because I, I Wikipedia'd the cast. I did not Wikipedia yep. the plot, but I Wikipedia'd the cast. And so when I saw two separate actors, I was like, wait, well, what's going on? And then I saw, oh, no, this is a different voice. Yeah, but to, to get to your point, I like any of the parts that have Binks. I think Binks is a really compelling character. I like his kind of attitude. You know, when he first jumps down on the book, he goes, nice going, Max. <laughs> Nice going, Max. You know, and, and just kind of the, you know, the way he kind of takes to Danny, that relationship that forms, that's kind of that, you know, she gets to replace, you know, Emily uh, as, his, as his sister. I also like, honestly, you talked about the special effects. I love it when when Winifred uses her powers and like says you there like that just it just it's kind of fun and whimsical. And I, re- I know this sounds crazy. You know, the 93, so I was 10 years old. I remember being that age. I remember when Hook came out, I wanted to fly. I used to pretend like I had magical powers with my hand. Ask my brother about this giant stick that I used to carry around that used to be my magical scepter. <laughs> and, and I used to chase the kids around the block with this thing and pretend I was a sorcerer. I think a lot of that was born out of watching this movie when, when I was a kid. In fact, I'm going to tell a story. So when I was a kid, and I still do, I love to write. I, I have a crazy imagination and I love to write. I love creating stories. So when I was in in middle school, so this would have been like 11, 12, 13 years old, right around when this movie came out, I used to write short stories. And one of the short stories I wrote uh, as I kind of got into my 13, 14 years old was a, a book called Elixir. All right. Now I want you to think about this for a second. The premise behind Elixir, it wasn't a book, it was a short story. The premise behind Elixir was this evil sorcerer, named Alisco, that was his name, Alisco, kidnapped uh, a, a boy in the village and forced him to drink this potion that would then uh, grant him the ability to take over the world. And then 300 years later, this ancestor of this boy gets caught up in this curse and he's got to go save the world, right? But doesn't that sound very similar to this whole idea of drinking this potion to have eternal life? I guarantee you that is where I got the inspiration from. I got the inspiration from Hocus Pocus. Well, I ended up writing this short story. Well, later on, about 10 years ago, I decided to take the short story and actually write the full book. I wrote a novel based around this idea. One of the reasons why I think I love this movie so much is because it gave me the inspiration to kind of push it to that next level. So, yeah, I I just I love those mystical elements of it. Uh, It just brings me right back to my childhood. Do you still have that, like a copy of that novel somewhere? I do. I Actually, there's two of them. I wrote the first one, and I had a sequel to it. So there's a, there's Elixir, and then there's Elixir, Gems of Sandala. Wow. Wait. Okay. I tell you I, Sorry, listeners. I, I have to, uh, this is news to me. So <laughs> I, I dig it. How, like, how long are these novels? They're, they're full-on novels. I mean, they're uh, I think the first one, 200 and some pages. The second one, 300 and some pages, I want to say. I mean, they're, they're full-on God. chapter novels. They're, I would say they're in the... 
a you know like young adult genre if you're like a harry potter lord of the rings kind of fan you would like these the whole idea is uh, again um he's got this this main character from from the current present time has to go on this quest to find some i think some crystals or some keys or something in order to rescue his current son because because the wizard was released 300 years later and and he's threatening to take over the world and then the the sequel to it follows up at the end of the the first one interesting yeah i don't know where it's got to be sitting somewhere on one of my computers, but yeah, I'll have to send it to you. Um, uh, send you the electronic copy of it. But yeah, it's out there. It's it's, it's published and everything. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. But I think that's why I like this movie so much is because I think a lot of my inspiration, my creative, my creative inspiration came from this movie. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I, I will admit that I don't think I'm in the camp of this is you know the cult classic. I like I, I don't envision myself watching this movie all the time now or even every Halloween. I just just I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it that much. Not okay. to say it was a bad movie. I mean, again, I've clearly hopefully made it clear I, I liked it, but it just isn't it wasn't something that I feel like I'm going to come back to over and over again. But, you know, we kind of touched on this when we talked about the cult classic in the Atlantis episode, that that's a movie that I really liked that I would watch over and over again. But I would bet that if you went and watched that movie right now, you'd probably come back and say, yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm not going to watch it again. I think a lot of that, I think a lot of that ties to when you watched it for the very first time and the memories that you have surrounding it. My memories, my memories of this movie, the very first time or the very first couple of times that I ever watched this movie. First of all, I never saw this movie in the theaters. This was, I saw this on VHS copy. Uh, Two people in my life who right around my age had this on VHS copy. My uh, cousin, Elizabeth, uh, we would go over uh, her, her house, her, her, her mom's house, Linda's, and we'd watch it in their bedroom and we would watch this and it'd be something because she would watch us as kids. So we would watch this movie two or three times in a row because it was just a good movie. And then my really good friend, Molly, um, she had it, she was behind us and we'd go over there or she'd come over there and we'd watch it there too. So I think these kind of movies are very closely tied to the memories and the nostalgia you feel around the very first couple of times and who you were with when you watched them. And I think that's why I have such rose colored uh, rose colored lenses to this movie. And I think that's not just with cult classic movies. I think that's with any movie that so many movies we enjoy more because of who we saw them with, where we saw them. Uh, I mean, that's why Ember's New Groove for me is one of my favorite movies. It's because that was my wife and I's first date. I brought that movie over and we watched it. So, of course, that movie is going to hold more of a special place in my heart than someone who decided I'm going to watch it on Disney Plus by myself on a random Tuesday night. Like that's not a preparation for a podcast. <laughs> you, <laughs> oh, you love it. me. You love me, Matt, but not that much. <laughs> you, you know that I'm going to make you do an Emperor's New Groove episode. You, you, yeah. like, you, you know this is happening. I don't know well, why. It's not that I haven't seen Emperor's New Groove. I've seen it. I just, it's not one of my favorites, but yes, I'll do it to be able to do a review like this. Right. But no, I'm with you. And, and again, it Disney knows that. And I think that's one of the reasons why it, it took them 25 years until 2018 I mean, really 2018 is when you really started to see the hocus pocus stuff really start to come out in full-fledged gear because it was the 25th anniversary 
and it flew off the shelf. I think it flew off the shelf more than Disney expected. And so then suddenly 2019 comes around, they mass produce this stuff even more and it still flies off the shelf. And so they're doing even more this year and they've made them they do what Disney usually does. They've taken their live actions and they've made them cute little cartoony type characters because they can get more more mileage out of them that way. I mean, I remember I remember when Disney World announced they were going to be doing the villain spectacular, spectacular with the Hocus Pocus Sanderson sisters back in 2017. The whole Disney community went, huh? Like the theme park community went, huh? Like this yeah. is a property from 25 years ago. Why are you bringing this back? But the cult following said yes, and it had proven to be very popular. Well, and this year from a merch perspective, so the, the first year that they did merch, it was like a sweatshirt and a mug and like a journal. It was like four or five items. And then the mm-hmm. next year it was they the spirit doubled it. They did the spirit yeah. that first year and it flew out. Yeah. And then they doubled yeah. it to you know a spirit jersey and uh, another shirt and, and a, it, handbag, it, a handbag too they had a big yeah. giant handbag that second year yeah and then this year they did plush for all the sanderson sisters mm-hmm. and base as well yes they did yes they did and again they're that cutesy cartoony type right but again it all it all boils down to this original movie that so many people love in their hearts. And so, you know, that kind of leads us to, you know, what the future of this franchise will be. Now, I'm going to pause everybody for one second. At the moment, there is no official announcement from Disney that there is any kind of a Disney, like, feature-length film that's going to be produced in theaters. There have been posters and announcements, fake announcements. Uh, I think there was one poster of Winifred with her hands up in the air and lightning coming out that said revenge is a witch or something like that. None of that stuff is true. But what has happened over the last couple of years is all three main characters, all three main witches have the actresses that have played them have said that they would be open and willing to come back and reprise their roles as the Sanderson sisters. And there has been some talk about developing a straight to Disney plus sequel slash reboot of the movie. As far as I can tell, there's not much more out there right now other than that, but there, but there's been some talk and maybe some, some starting to like some pre-production potential. Have you seen anything more, Matt? What you just said is what I saw is that there was some rumblings of it. And then kind of the latest thing is that they've got a writer and kind of director, but nothing else. Uh, Like none of the actresses have said, oh, yeah, I'm coming on for this. Again, they've all been said they're willing, but have not officially signed on. And Disney hasn't made an official announcement. But you'd like to think that that's that movie is not going to be released until around Halloween time because Hocus yeah. Pocus is, like I said before, the perfect Halloween movie. And if you try to release it in like March, it's going to be a little bit strange. So yeah, like uh, it might be a release in like September, which would take you through the Halloween time. Yeah, reading right here in October 2019, a sequel was announced to be in development as a Disney Plus exclusive film with a screenplay by Jen D'Angelo. Shortly after the report, Midler, Parker, and Najimi all confirmed their interest in reprising their roles in March of 2020, which again, COVID, uh, Adam Shankman signed on to direct. So again, if they're just now in pre-production, I mean, it's not going to be out by Halloween next year. I would venture to guess if this thing were to happen, we'd be looking at right around Halloween 2022 is is what I would guess. At the earliest. At the earliest, yeah. 
So, all right. Well, uh, that said, my friends, uh, it is closing time, Matt, unless you've got anything else you want to add. No, I, 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 let me encourage you that if you have not seen this movie, absolutely watch it. Um, this is not a movie that I'm going to sit here and say, yeah, you can skip this one. Don't skip it. Um, again, if you watch it once and you say that was great, not, you know, I don't need to watch it again. That's cool. But definitely give this one a, give this one a watch. Yeah, absolutely. So before we go, it is closing time. Um, we, we already talked about this on last, last episode with, with cars. So the, the cat, as they say, is out of the bag. Binks is out of the bag. Yeah, but I'm bummed. That that said, we are excited because this is our second to last episode before our mini-series that debuts on October 14th, the Infinity Saga series. Oh man, we are so excited. If you didn't catch the announcement on our social media channels, this is a daily 23 episode. That's right, I said daily. 23 straight days of podcasts. We are going to move chronologically through the MCU movies. Our goal in this originally was to lead up to the release of Black Widow. Well, Black Widow got moved until next summer, but we decided let's go forward with this project. Uh, We want to fill that void that the MCU uh, is leaving, that we don't have a film, so let's do a podcast event together. And those episodes start October 14th. So Wednesday, October 14th, be on the lookout for the first episode of the Infinity Saga series. And then the next 22 days, there'll be episodes coming out. If you're a Marvel fan, totally, totally, totally uh, listen in. Starts on October 14th. If you're not a Marvel fan, but you want to become a Marvel fan... Uh, follow along with us. Watch the movie, then listen to the podcast. Watch the movie, and listen to the podcast. And if you know Marvel fans, let's do this journey together. All right, it is closing time. Matt, how do they get a hold of us? You can email us, uh, beersandears1928 at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook group, Beers and Ears Podcast. Uh, we've got a great group there. We've uh, got lots of members and lots of fun things happen on that group. Lots of polls and other stuff like that. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, at beersandears1928. Give us a follow there. As always, please rate and review us. Five stars, five stars. Just take a minute and leave us a review. I I cannot stress enough how much that really, really helps us out. Um, New episodes every Tuesday and Friday, though uh, starting October 14th, it's new episodes every day for a while. Excellent. Uh, All right, my friends, we're going to raise our glasses up, our cauldrons full of smoke and uh, dead man's toe, dead man's toe, dead man's toe. And we are going to say this episode has been on us. Have a great night, everybody. Make it spectacular. Bye, everybody.